Everybody stop what you're doing, please. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is no better show on your radio. This is Around the House with Eric G. Where's the hammer? From your back fence to the sidewalk, Eric will tell you how to keep it all in tip-top shape while helping you save a buck while doing it. If you like DIY projects, it takes a lot of practice to get good at it. And Eric is here to guide the way. Is it on the, uh, go up on the other floor. Somebody go up there and stop the hammering. All that and more on the fastest two hours of home improvement radio. These are the wrong plans. These are the old plans. Welcome to Stop It! Around the House with Eric G. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G. This is where we talk home improvement every weekend. But today is our For the Trade special that we do on every single Thursday. This is our Pro Insider special. This is going to become a much larger show that we're going to be doing every week on Thursdays that uh, will help all the business owners out there. Maybe you're running an interior design business. Maybe it's a remodeling company. This is going to be for the trades, and we've been doing this for a couple of years now. We're going to be expanding this out and making it stand on its own two legs as well. So make sure that you uh, stay tuned to this because this is going to get to be even a bigger show. So make sure you do that. Now, today, it's going to be about interior design because yesterday, for uh, 2020 Design, which is the big software company for the kitchen and bath design industry, I did a uh, keynote speech for them for their uh, 2020 Connect conference. And uh, this here is that complete one-hour show that I did for kitchen and bath and residential and even commercial interior designers for their business, as well as people in the design build community. So this is one of those things that uh, will help any of you that are working on that. And uh, we presented this yesterday live, and this is the rebroadcast of that, so you can catch it in case you are out doing stuff out there. So make sure you catch this every Thursday here. And uh, coming up soon, it's going to have its own RSS feed, so you'll be able to grab it out by itself if you're working for the trades and don't want to catch my regular DIY home type stuff that I do enough about this let's get out to my keynote speech for 2020 design let's get to it let's get going with this building your interior design business in non-traditional ways first up though if you've got a question which we will do a Q&A at the very end of this make sure that you send it over via chat and then set the two field to all panelists that way we can all see it and get you as part of the group here. And uh, we can see those questions, and uh, I can answer those at the very end here for you. Well, a little bit about me. I'm Eric Gornson, CKD, Certified Kitchen Designer since 2000. I have designed, ran, owned kitchen and bath and interior design businesses uh, for 30 years. I've been everywhere from starting out. And early in my career in home centers to uh, an old design kind of kitchen and bath thing that was uh, part of Eagle Hardware back in the day that was eventually bought out by Lowe's. And then I worked for Home Depot for 366 days, and that's its own story. And then I worked in other places, some uh, very high-end design firms doing Val Kachin to uh, William O's, Downsview. So I've kind of taken all sides of the residential market. I'm the national radio host for Around the House with Eric G. It is a national radio show and podcast. 
Here's the social media things that you can get a hold of me on from Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all those kind of things. And uh, feel free to uh, screenshot that or message me later if you'd like. So what kind of design firm does this relate to? Kitchen and bath design, residential design, commercial design, and residential design build. These theories all work well with these. And I've ran all different versions of these. I had... uh, Went back in Tacoma, Washington. I'm based in Portland, Oregon. I had a massive team with Custom Shop where we were doing everything from hotels, restaurants, to custom kitchens. So these are things that all work well. Now let's get down to the basics here. This is just kind of what I call basics 101 when you want to be able to weather these storms in a very non-traditional way. Stay at a controversy unless you made a specific business plan for it. And in these days, it is so hard out there, but keep your team and your brand at a controversy. But here's the thing. If you are going to have a social justice platform for your design business, make sure you're going to market that. Because in today's times, you're going to have a time where you're going to make potentially 50% of your potential client base, no matter what side of the coin you're on, feel alienated. So if you want to get the largest amount of business into your company, keep you, your employees, your team out of politics and out of it on your social media, all that stuff, because that can be a massive damage point. I'm in Portland, Oregon, so we're in the news every single week, just about every single day with this stuff. And it is very easy to get yourself in hot water. And there's a lot of companies out there that have done that recently. And uh, I do not subscribe to that in business of any press is good press. No, keep it on the plan and keep your business moving ahead. Now, do it well in a small scale first for your business. As bigger is not always better. And I learned this as a design business owner multiple times. I had the largest design firm that I owned. We had 13 interior designers working for us, and I made less money than when I had six. So make sure that whatever you're doing is scalable. And scalable meaning that if you can do it small with a small team and add people into it, always watch your margins and your profits because there could be an easy time that you get over that hump and all of a sudden you're adding more people But due to efficiencies and everything else, you're actually making less money. And what I don't want you to do, especially when all these different storms we have coming at us as business owners, independent designers, or employees, we want to make sure we don't get over our skis on that. Because if you're growing, you're spending money in that growing. You're you're training people. You're buying more space. You've got more desks. So make sure that you are in a safe spot in a safe level of growth. If you're growing over 20 or 30% each year and you're growing fast like that, be careful. When something hits the brakes on your design model of what you're doing for your business, that can burn you because by the time you realize it, and if you're not paying attention to your books, that can really hit you hard. And I've seen Plenty of wonderful design businesses get hit hard with that. And what happens is, is that uh, that starts growing, growing, growing. You're doing great. You don't realize that the leads have started slowing down and the market has changed or whatever, and it's going to burn you. Now, here's one that uh, I have learned the hard way, 
and it can cost you so much. Fully investigate future business partners. When you've got a design company, and maybe it's a design build, commercial design, whatever, and you're growing fast, you will get hit by people that want to partner up with you. And I'm not talking about just a handshake partnership where, hey, I'll give you some business, you give me some, you know, uh, we'll do some nice trade of, of business back and forth. I'm talking about somebody that wants to be inside your business and inside of that and fully investigate future business partners. Make sure you do background checks. Make sure you look and see how many times they've been sued. Make sure that all those things are dialed in because you can get burned and you can lose everything just on trying to bring a business partner in. So this is one of those things that's the big warning sign that uh, I don't care how good a friend you are, make sure you do that due diligence and do a lot of it. Spend the time, take those steps very, very carefully. So now keep a, a keeping a clean online reputation. Now in the design world, it is pretty easy when you've got, if you don't have good systems, especially these are things that can really get you in trouble. What I'm talking about is that he said, she said, and there is a paperwork process that I've given in other seminars about kind of the perfect design process for interior design, especially for kitchen and bath design of paperwork processes. And those paperwork processes are very important to keep you going throughout the sale of the process, tracking the incoming leads to making sure that the paperwork is great and making sure by the time you're ordering product that you know exactly what you're ordering. And more importantly, your client knows what you're ordering for them and everyone is in agreement. So that is the thing that you want to make sure. But what happens is, is things go sideways and, and I don't care how long you've been in business. Maybe it's a year or you're a designer. There's always that time when things go sideways with a client and it could be small, it could be big. And how you deal with that is the biggest thing on online reputation. Because what can happen is, is that I had a cabinet company once and they've changed things since then, but it was a major national company and they had stain colors that were light, dark as color names. So you could order a light oak as a stain color, but they had something natural, which was lighter. And then they had a dark, but then they also had something that was very, very dark. So the problem was, is they had descriptive names as color names. So the problem is, is that you would go to contract with a client and say, all right, Mrs. Smith, we are going to be doing the dark oak in this door style. And then you'd sign the contract. You think, great, we've got it. Kitchen shows up oh, I wanted the darker one. It says dark. That's not dark. There's a darker one. So you'd get yourself caught up in those things. And so there's a great process to go through with that to keep these things from happening. But when that goes sideways, how you deal with it is number one, because the first thing people do is when they get mad is they jump on online and start hammering on you. And all it takes is a couple of those type of people and now when they Google search you, because everybody's going to look you up online before they come do business with you to make sure that you get those things handled correctly. Now, for all you business owners out there, there's even something else that's more importantly that you might not even be aware of. And that is Glassdoor.com. Now, Glassdoor.com is where your employees get to rate you as a business owner. 
And I tell you what, there are design firms out there that I have looked up on there just out of curiosity that leave horrible reviews of their employer. Well, the problem is, is that when that peep, when, when customers, consumers, your clients go to Google search you and see what comes up, that glass door comes up and how you treat your designers and clients will end up being a huge problem because now it looks, well, they don't, they're not going to put the most flattering things up there about you if they left under bad terms and you can't take those down. So you've got to be very, very careful. And yes, I have seen people try to get around that by uh, having their current employees as part of employment, put notes up there. And then as soon as they come back and the next person gets mad and leaves, guess what? They've they put on there that, oh, as part of my employment, I had to write a good review for this. And that's why I have a bad review now. So be careful with that online reputation. And if you're a contractor where you've got a contractor's license, it's the same thing. I have seen multiple business owners out there that had upset clients from people beneath them, as in their design team, and they didn't deal with it correctly. They ignored it, and all of a sudden, they had three or four complaints with their state uh, contracting licensing agency, and that can be on their record for 10 years. And so what happens is, is if someone's doing the research, depending on the state you're in, or uh, you know, country you're in, you can sit there and do that research and find out what all these complaints are. And then you've got some knocks against you and nobody wants that. Now, the other important part here on the basics uh, before we get into the rest of this is make sure you've got legal counsel to build all your contracts. Make sure that you've got all of your paperwork correct. Make sure that you can hire your employees in the way they need to be hired. Make sure that you've got all those contracts written with your homeowners to follow those local, state, national rules and make sure that you've got those covered because those are really important things to take care of. So make sure that you've got that legal counsel taken care of. And that attorney, just have them on staff to make sure because every year I would have them go back through your stuff and make sure that it's following all your local stuff. And then make sure that you're uh, in check with all the things with, um, you know, if you're a contractor, you know, lead paint, water rules, all these different things, asbestos, all these things that you need to be on top of. Those rules are changing so often right now that make sure that you've got the right people checking on that because the last thing you want to do is get a fine from a governmental agency to get going on this. So let's talk about using technology to help market your firm to stand out from your competition. And this is one of the keys to building your interior design business to weather these storms in a non-traditional way. And we've seen this with the Zoom meetings and everything we have coming up right now. So one of the first things I want you to do is make sure that you've got a Zoom meeting stage. Make sure that you've got a place for your design team to be having meetings with clients that gives, you know, a good looking place for you to do business with. This is your new office. So if you've got a designer working from home and it looks like they're in a little closet and it looks super unprofessional, think about branding. Think about how the sound is with all of this. Make sure it doesn't sound like they're in a, in a long gymnasium and you can barely hear them. Think of this as a the most professional stage you can have. Have a microphone, have these things set up so that Zoom meeting stage is right there. There are a lot of text-based programs now where you can have it set up in a, to make this not a whole thing about this. This is a 
big deep dive that we're not going to go into, but there's text-based programs that you can use that customers can communicate with you directly. But as a business owner, you can see what those texts are through forwarding and stuff. So basically you can have it set up where they text, you know, people, great example here. Uh, if I go into Mercedes service and I go into my local Mercedes dealer to get the oil changed in my Mercedes, if I pull in there, they recognize as soon as I come in there that, oh, Eric Gorenson is in the building. They text my salesperson. They text my service advisor. They get notified. And all of this stuff when we're texting back and forth about service things is a text base, but the business can see what's going on and it's a tracked thing. For a larger design firm, it's something that's very important. Now, one of the things that we're going to see taking off more and more, and it's funny, this I started talking about this about three years ago, virtual reality. And every year, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, the funny thing with this is that it started out, and there's a lot of people going, oh, this is just cute. This is not going to happen. This is one of those things that we're not going to get into a lot I tell you what, virtual reality, last year when I was at the uh, Kitchen and Bath Industries show and International Building Show in Las Vegas, half the booth, it seemed, had some kind of VR setup in it. And now what you can do, and with all the times that are changing out there, virtual reality should be part of your business plan. Because here's the thing, if you are a home center, you are not going to be putting in anytime soon virtual reality in those places. And if you're a des residential design company that is trying to combat against those, and that is your competition, why not be the professional with technology and that virtual reality set, which you can do with 2020 very easily, with some goggles, you can create that virtual showroom. And if you've seen my presentation on virtual showrooms, it's very easy to set up your own VR setup in your office there, or you can do it where uh, even at a client's home, but you can set this up so easily. And now you've given especially with COVID and these kind of things right now, you can actually have that setup where you can email to clients. They might have a VR setup themselves. There's so many VR setups. By the end of next year, there will be at the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, we will have more virtual reality headsets than Netflix subscriptions in the US. So you'll be able to email over a client's design with that folder. You can have them put that on their Maybe it's their kid's VR headset. Maybe they come into your office, depending on what the rules are in your area. And you can share that. And by using virtual reality, you can show the textures of the companies that are partnering up. You can show the appliances. And I've been able to really solve a lot of design issues with VR headsets. And to be honest, having a virtual reality catalog where you do all this can save you a ton <coughs> on the, um, excuse me here. VR can help you so much because what happens is, is when you're going through changing out your showroom, you know, I have had, and this is going to be really tough. You've got 10 or 12 displays in a showroom that are completely outdated. You can go through and create in one of those showroom spaces where you had a vignette, you can go through and change out that and make it a virtual reality area. Now you can show in VR what the problem areas are in the design that they're trying to do. And you can solve a lot of problems right there. Now, here's one of the things too, 
using technology to communicate with your client that is important. Technology can be one of the biggest hindrances to your interior design business. Here's why. Out of all the companies that I talk to out there, one of the biggest problems they have in staying competitive and keeping up to date with this is not keeping up on their computers that their designers are designing with. Here's what happens. Design computers, you need to have something in there that is going to not going to be the minimum requirement for that. Otherwise, if you're buying, you know, I don't care what brand you're buying, if you're buying the minimum, that computer is going to last a year and then you're going to have to get another one. Go out and spend the money on a gaming computer. Gaming computers have a couple things. They have faster processors, they have much better fans, and they're more durable for heavy use. Because if you're using that processor and everything at 100% all the time, it's like a race car. You want to have a race car. You don't want to have that uh, Honda Accord that you're just hammering on taking it to the racetrack every week. It was never designed for that. So make sure that your computer systems that the designers are using are fast. Because you can sit there and turn around and get 20, 30, or 40% out of your design team extra because they're not waiting for things to render. They're not waiting for things to happen. So if you want to give yourself the biggest boost, make sure that you're spending those computers. And I tell you what, you don't have to spend a lot. You can go into Best Buy. Uh, the one I have, um, it's about a thousand bucks. That thing will last a couple years. Keep on top of it with your IT people and do that. Now, having a solid IT plan to protect your assets is huge. Great example. I had a design firm that I was working for uh, we were on a, a pretty busy street in Seattle. Design team headed off for the holiday. Half of the people left their laptops in the office. Somebody smashed and grabbed the front window, grabbed six designers' laptops out of there, and they lost their entire business with their plans. Everything. So we had six people that had to recreate their entire plan. So what happens with that? That put that business down. It cut down 75% of their business fell right on their face because they lost so much stuff. Make sure that you've got a solid cloud-based program where everything's saved in the cloud. Make sure that it's all backed up. If you don't have it in three places, it really doesn't exist. So make sure that you've got that. Now, one of the things that you have to be very careful with, and I've learned this even just weeks ago, and I'm not going to say too much about it because it hasn't been public, but this ransomware stuff up there, is a massive deal. A company that I'm working with, uh, they had a ransomware attack. They have probably 30 or 40 IT professionals. They're on week two. They got the stuff back. They did not have to pay the millions of dollar ransom. But they've had 30 or 40 IT professionals working on this in week two. And they have two more weeks before they're up and running. They just got email up and running after two weeks. And it has crippled the computer stuff for these guys that they're doing. So make sure that you've got a solid plan for your IT. If you're a small company, make sure that you're running all the right stuff to make sure that uh, things are protected and make sure that you've got a, a good plan for that. This is one of those things that if you don't have this when you're running technology, you got to be careful with this stuff. Now, when we're going to talk about online stuff, there are some things that uh, 2020 just came out with that I'm impressed with as a designer because we're going to get into 
some of these things about making sure that you are, are using your time efficiently. With retail clients in a design build format or even a kitchen and bath showroom, not so much with commercial in my eyes, but right now, uh, 2020 has come out with their ideal spaces. This is kind of a cool thing here. This is not going to put designers out of business, but it is going to help weed out those non-purchasing clients that just want to come up with an idea of what things are going to look like. So what this does is it's an online thing that you put on your website. So what it does is it gives you a gallery of interactive showrooms where the your visitors that come onto your website can play around. They can do some 3D space planning. Depending on what you do with this, this is something that if you're a, a mid-sized to larger design firm, I would sure take a look at this because you can let them tinker around on the website. And you know something? Those people that are just kind of looking around and have no intention of actually doing any business with you, but just kind of want to play and see, instead of them coming in, taking up your designer's time, you might be able to do this and help them through their thought planning process without a bunch of, well, design time going into it. Because nobody likes in the design world out there dealing with clients, giving them tons of time, and making sure that you've done all you can to get them there. And from day one, internally, they had no imagination that they were going to buy this. They just were curious. Oh, I, I don't know if a, a design is going to cost me $10,000 or $2,000. They don't have the six figures to do the project. Whatever that is, this is where you got to be very careful. This is a new thing that's going to help people out there. And I think it's something very important to take a look at and uh, kind of explore and see if it works with you. You're going to be able to stay on top of your larger competitors with something like this. And that online presence is a big deal for marketing when you're building your interior design business to kind of weather these storms that we're in. So put that up in the non-traditional way of doing things. So leading with that, marketing in non-traditional ways. This is important. I don't care what kind of business you have out there, whether it's a residential, commercial kitchen and bath, whatever you are doing out there in the design world, marketing in a non-traditional way. And this is something that I have excelled at with the businesses that I've been working, owning, everything else. Rule number one, spend the time to know who your client is. Personally, I've had lots of different clients. I have had that top five to seven percent where all we're doing is uber ultra high-end projects for that two to three million dollar house and up and that's in seattle or i've done just that medium middle of the road hey we're going to be able to try to be everybody to everybody and be 80 percent of the marketplace but you want to know who your client is you want to know their demographic this is all things that you can do because the more specific that you break this down, the more important it's going to be because now you can direct that marketing to here. This is probably the most important thing to know who your client is and what is your ideal purchaser for whatever you're doing. Because I don't care with design, there is a lot of sales that is backed up around this. And uh, if you're in residential commercial, it all has to be done. If they're going to sign a contract with your firm, this is where you need to be. Now, understanding how those clients use social media, you know, 
Facebook, as much as the younger crowd is getting away from it, many of the purchasing public still use it. Great example, Twitter, you have to be careful with. Twitter, I think, is down on the on the downside a little bit right now, in my opinion, because Twitter has become, at least here in the United States with politics, it has become just a very angry and dark place, and it is hard to market just using Twitter. Now, I know people doing great jobs out there with it, but I think Instagram is one of your better places to be, and that's a good one as well. But understanding how they use social media is key. There are not a lot of high-end residential and even commercial people using TikTok. TikTok is great for getting the younger crowd. I would sure think about if you're if you're focusing on doing things with entry level, I'm going to try to get that first homeowner, you know, that 25-year-old couple that's trying to buy their first house out of college and they're doing their thing. TikTok might be your thing. So uh, keep an eye on that one. But uh, if you're going for that 65-year-old uh you know, client that's looking to build that forever home, not so much. So be careful with that. Now, here's the key right now that I want to really talk about for a few minutes because this one is really important. This is understanding how to leverage radio and television in your marketing. Right now, for the next probably few weeks, and this is where I want you to be really careful with, in the next few weeks, we are going to see probably the final weeks of the largest discounts of radio and TV space out there. Right now, you can get two or three times the dollars you could get last year for advertising. So what I mean by that, if you were going to spend $4,000 a month on radio and TV, which is a decent buy depending on what market you're in, and that can be how many people you're trying to advertise to, Smaller markets, you buy more. Larger markets, you get less with it, but you get you still get the same you know amount of reach with what you're purchasing. Right now, those ad rates can be 20 and 30% of what they were a year ago. So you can get a ton of money for that, and you can get them to throw in a bunch of freebies. When you watch a television show, and if you listen to the radio, and again, this is where you need to know where your client is. If you're watching those and you're, and you're hearing public service announcements, many times when you see a ton of public service announcements in that space that you're trying to advertise, that is one of those things that is, they don't have something to put in there. So they're running that PSA. So you know that they're going to want to put paid for advertising in there to fill that up. So make sure you can do that. And I can just about guarantee you right now that if you're doing radio or television, and I think right now radio is a better buy, that you can turn around and uh, leverage that and get those ad, not ad agencies, but the stations to throw in a bunch of freebies, which you want to make very important to what you're doing. Now, I'll give you one little tip, uh, insider tip on radio. If you're in a metropolitan area where traffic is a big concern, so if, you're, if you've got commuting traffic that's a problem, people love to listen to the radio to listen to traffic. So if you're doing a news talk station, that is your 24-hour news source, and if you are a traffic sponsor or if you're advertising right next to that traffic where you bookend it, sometimes they'll do traffic and weather on the 4s or the 10s or the 7s or whatever whatever it is. If they're doing that during drive times, get your ad right next to that because 
they have trained their listeners to make sure they listen on that number. Why not grab it and do it? You'll pay a little more for that, but that's one way to get the most people listening. Now, one of the big ones now, podcasting. You know, I started podcasting with our show, gee, six years ago with our radio show. So we were early adopters to podcasting. But getting out there and focusing on who your client is and what they're listening to, sponsoring those podcasts can be big and it's pretty affordable and you can get some great listenership out of that. Uh, Print, I tell you what, I've struggled for the last seven or eight years for my design companies that I've worked for to make print opportunities work. Uh, I've got some great friends in print. Um, It is something that is a long-term game. I've spent $60,000 before on full-page ads in local killer magazines and gotten completely burned and uh, didn't get one lead out of that. Did I get some branding out of it? Sure. Could I track a single thing out of that? Nope, not at all. So be careful, and if you find a rare print opportunity that looks good, do some research and make sure you track everything out there. Now, building trade partnerships is big, working with other companies, other clients, those kind of things. If you've got uh, a kitchen and bath design business or a design build, partner up with those vendors or subcontractors and make sure that you guys are all going the same direction at once and uh, make sure you trade leads back and forth and build some good you know, trade partnerships between each other. That is an important thing to do. Now, creating niche marketing or niche marketing, depending on where you're at in the country or in the world, is key. I want you to go out and create demand for today's issues. Today's issues are going to be different than they were last year. But this is something that you always want to be doing looking forward, trying to build this business and make yourself have as many legs on the ground. It's like having a five-legged stool. People always said, oh, it's a three-legged stool. The more legs you got, the more stable this business is going to be. Create demand for today's issues. Well, guess what? If you're a commercial design company right now, I would not be chasing down new construction for commercial towers because I'll be honest, unless it's in the ground right now and going, I don't think with today's work at home things that it's going to be, I would pivot, shift, and start working on marketing myself to be the downsizing expert. Okay, we just took out of our home office 30% to 50% of our people and they're going to be working at home for the next two years. Okay, well, we only need about half the office space we did. Well, guess what? There's going to be a lot of other companies they're going to be downsizing and maybe when their lease comes up here in the next six months to a year, they're going to be trying their best to get out of that. Maybe you can create a space within that office space to sublease to another partner business that would work well next door to you to do that. Maybe it's an architecture firm and you've got a design business or whatever you've got going that you can kind of partner up with. But if you're that design firm on the commercial side, downsizing is going to be huge. And of course, creating, helping them create those online workspaces so people can have those Zoom meetings in that space. So there's a lot of things you can be doing from that point of view. For a design firm that is residential, or a residential design build, be the home office expert. You should be out there advertising all you can to be the home office expert right now. Make sure that you've got that down. Talk about soundproofing an existing home. Think about it. How many people have the, you know, two-parent household, couple kids in there? Common. 
They've got four Zoom meetings because the kids are in school. The parents are in different spots. And we've been trying to, not we, there's been this open concept design thing for homes for the last 15 years that have been big where everybody's been ripping walls out. Well, guess what? Now everybody's Zoom meetings are standing on top of each other. And now you've got all this cross noise where it's hard to do. So I think that open concept, kind of getting around that, creating those meeting spaces, and maybe it's going into bedrooms and insulating it. Maybe it's soundproofing, creating those spaces within the home. You should be out marketing those things right now because that way you can be the expert. And who markets it the most out there ends up being the expert in your marketplace. So that's making sure. And then, of course, healthy homes is a big thing. Helping create a healthy living environment is a big, important thing right now to make sure that you've got that going. So creating these other marketing opportunities and staying on top of those trends and making sure that you're doing it widens that customer base for you. That way, you've got a better foundation for more business coming in. Averting disaster. Now, these are the things that I want you to stay away from because these are the things that hurt your attempts to build this business to weather these storms. And so I want to make sure you have these bases covered as you're doing this because these are things that don't give confidence to your clients when they come in and meet with you. So let's talk about residential kitchen and bath design here. This is a good example of those problems that that are going to come up with you. So averting disaster, having a torn up showroom for an extended period of time. And a torn up showroom could mean you've got 10 year old displays in there. You could have this disaster of a showroom. And I've walked into these. I have uh, consulted with plenty of kitchen and bath companies out there. And even uh, manufacturers where I've walked into their showrooms and they had a display that, or multiple displays that had problems where maybe that uh, whole kitchen display, which is a big, huge 10 by 15 kitchen display in the middle of the showroom, there's not one thing in that thing that they could actually sell off of. So if you don't have current displays and if somebody walks into your showroom and says, wow, my cabinets in my house that I'm trying to replace are in better shape than what you have, that confidence of what that wow, the, I mean, that is showroom space you're paying for. Make sure that you don't have that tore up. You are better off on an old display like that to take it out, put a design up on, a, on an easel, coming soon, new display, before and after, whatever. You're better off to do that or turn that into that, uh, that new virtual reality space because that torn up showroom for an extended period will hurt you more than it helps you. You're better having a smaller showroom space. One of the biggest things that'll hurt you on a business in the kitchen and bath world for cabinetry is having too many cabinetry vendors. I've seen some design firms out there that have eight, seven, six cabinetry vendors, way too much. That is costing you money. I want to have three, maybe four total. Because what happens is if you've got a design team out there, I've learned this myself. You have a designer will naturally grab their favorite brand or maybe their favorite two brands. And they get well entrenched in that because there's no standards between how company A and company B and company C and so on does it. Well, if you've got six different companies, there's six different ways to design a kitchen or a bathroom with them and six different things they have to learn, mistakes will happen. Those mistakes always cost you money. So if you've got a small 
but diverse list of cabinetry vendors that are nicely done and well thought out about where they fit in the marketplace, you're going to be much better off. And then you can leverage those for marketing. Because if you're a very important client because 40% of your business or 30% of your cabinet business goes through them, they're much more likely to step up and help you. And here's another little secret that I'm going to give you a little tip. One of the things you got to be careful with is that if you got that and you've only, only doing 10% of your business with them, they don't see you as a main vendor. The, the, the rep doesn't take you as seriously. Oh, I'm just one of many in there. If you are doing good business, you can go back and negotiate with those cabinet, vet, those cabinet manufacturers of coming outside of what is their normal co-op. I've many times had big companies turn around and give me cash for advertising and marketing to help brand and build my brand and their brand out there. So, if you do this right, you can actually have them pay for most of your marketing. And that's a good one. So here's one that's going to that's gonna cost you. Untrained designers that won't, won't embrace technology. What I'm talking about is that there's, I've had this. You have some designers that are well-seasoned. I'm a well-seasoned designer, but I do embrace technology. Sometimes those darker people on your team need extra training to get technology working. For instance, virtual reality, these kind of things. Take some time, train those people, make sure that everybody's on the same team. If you've got people on there that are gonna be a problem, take a look at them. You know, sometimes I always say, you know, hire slow, fire fast. I know that seems dark sometimes, but uh, having the wrong person in your time on your team every time is gonna cost you money. So you wanna make sure that that helps you out because those relationships that those people have are important. Now, poor systems for follow-up and sale documentation. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Having these systems to make sure that you go from start to finish is key. And the better your system is, whether it's a fully digital system or a paperwork system, I like the fully full digital system because it's easy to track uh, and you're not having to worry about who has the file folder. Those things are important. One of the things that you want to make sure you're not doing if you're not advertising and you don't have a social media presence, you are going to get left behind moving forward. Because here's the thing. Every year, we've got more people coming in as homeowners that have had things like this attached to their hand, this cell phone. We have this digital technology now of people buying homes that since they were kids, they've had cell phones in their hands. And when you've had cell phones in your hands, they're going to look everything up on this. So make sure that your business, whether you're a lumberyard that has kitchen and bath cabinetry or you're a high-end design firm, make sure that whatever they're doing on that mobile works with everything you're doing, including the marketing and everything else in there. You want to make sure that that's happening. That's something as we move forward. You got people aging out that are homeowners that didn't use and maybe are using that uh that old technology of just, you know, phone books and things like that. When's the last time you use a phone book? I haven't used a phone book in years. Few of you probably have, but that is the rare thing compared to where we're at in the normal. And then faulty contracts. We talked about it earlier. Make sure that you've got those dialed in and they're legal for your local government to make sure you can do it. And then a poor online reputation. There are companies out there that will help fix if you've got a bunch of mistakes. Sometimes the best thing, rebrand it start over and build a new one around a new one. Sometimes that if you've got a really bad online reputation, might be good to start over on the new brand and new name and start something over and do it better next time.
Now, breaking down your business plan. Business plan is key. And here's one thing that I've learned dealing with business owners, because there was a time in my career that I spent a lot of time going to work for a company for one or two years and helping them get the business turned around. There are companies, though, that I went to go work for where the owner just had bad habits. And those bad habits, I could not consult around. And you, you see this on Hotel Impossible. You see this on TV shows like um, Restaurant Impossible, all these different shows where people go in. There are some people that they're not cut out to be business owners and they, are, they don't have the focus, desire, or tenacity to go out and do this. And if not, this is when you have to, if you are one of those people out there where you're struggling with that, bring in somebody to management, take your hands off it, and let them help manage your thing. But let's break down your business plan. I want to see everybody out there having a business plan. And maybe it's a dozen pages. Maybe it's 50 pages. It's depending on what you want to do. But this is the important part of this whole thing. I really want to dive in on this here because this is something that's really key in what we're doing. Know your competitors. Know what they're doing. Know what they're doing right. Know what they're doing well. They're doing wrong. You got to make sure you're doing that. Don't focus on a small market segment. Because right now, with all the things we have coming at us, you know, I have I have ran companies through recessions. I've had things from 9-11 all the way back from the, the mid-90s. I've seen it all, and a lot of you have seen it all as well. But how we've made it through those different things is if you smart, if you focus on that small market segment, and what I'm talking about is going remodeling, ultra high end, remodeling, low end. If you focus on that and something in our, in our market out there, it could be a pandemic, it could be recession, it could be taxes, it could be government changes, whatever that is, those little segments can get taken out of the mix and now you're in trouble as a business. So you want to make sure that you've got multiple layers working with this to be able to do this. So don't just focus on that small market segment. Great example. This is what I've done before. Every single residential remodeling company that I've had, and or if it's just a kitchen and bath business, especially on the kitchen and bath business side where I'm just a kitchen and bath design firm, what I've done is I had about a 50-50 mix of selling to residential remodelers and retail homeowners. That is the secret to be able to survive through any economy. Because those remodelers, if you build a personal relationship with those remodeling companies and you help them and you're their easy button, that's where you're going to make some money. Because those guys are, pro every one of those relationships can be good for six to 16 different kitchens a year. That is residual business you have coming in. Because that homeowner might only do one or two kitchens in their entire life or three or four bathrooms in their entire life, that residual business is going to help you. Now, the one thing with that is having those relationships built. And if you do it right, you've got a nice, solid base. Now, 
Make sure that you've adjusted everything with your business plan for this year's economy. Take a look at that business plan. Have a few people that are key people in your company. Have a couple meetings on it. Sit down and power through that. Everybody can jump online and, and, and see what a business plan is if you're not doing it. But spend some time with it. I was not a believer of business plans until probably the uh, early 2000s when we had to do one for this manufacturer that I was working for. And watching what that did for everything and spelling things out, it added so much clarity to the decision-making process. Now, watch expenses and margins. I want you to be tracking that as a, as a designer. If you're in a design company and you're doing your own, watch your margins, watch your expenses, track it for your own self. Because if commissions are based on that, or more importantly, you're going to be your own design owner, firm owner down the road, understand how to watch those expenses and margins because those are things that are going to be really important to you. Watch your client mix and closely watch those marketing results. Whoever's answering the phone, make sure that you've got that dialed in because I want to see if you're marketing, which you should be. Hi, thanks for calling ABC Kitchens. I'm making this up. Oh, great. Yeah, great. You want to have us out there? How'd you hear of us? Finding out where those leads came from is an important key to spending money correctly. Now, here's the recipe to success. It's kind of based on what we were talking about there, but this is the important part. How you build your interior design business to weather these storms in a non-traditional way. Never have your plan depend on one client type. Make sure that you've got remodels, maybe new construction. New construction is the risky part of your whole business because that goes really good and up and down ways. You could have rock and roll. I have seen many design firms get taken out by selling to new construction. And all of a sudden we have a housing crash. 10, 10 clients go out of business. They file bankruptcy and make sure that you've got a plan for that. If you're going to get into that, make sure that you've got plenty of resources and not get overextended with builders. Remodels, new construction, Two different ballgames right there. Make sure you're doing that. You need a mix of multiple revenue streams. Maybe it's design. Maybe it's product sales. Make sure you've got at least three different revenue streams coming in. Have that scaled plan. That scaled plan is important. As you get bigger, make sure that you're watching that and watching those margins as a business owner that you can make sure that as you grow, you're not making less and less money because then it makes not as much sense to uh, grow. And a clean system for accountability and follow-up. That's another key there. Having sure that your systems are in, that's a big one. Because if you do that, that makes those margins stay back on there. It's one of those very important legs to what we're doing here. Now, as a business owner, this next one is for you because this is important. Having a trusted consultant to have, to have you see the forest through the trees. Here's what happens. Being a design business owner, maybe you're a manager or a general manager, having some kind of consultant that's not in the trenches with you every single day is an important part of this plan. Because the emotion of dealing with design clients, whether it's residential, commercial, construction, whatever you're doing is big. And having somebody that can step back just a little bit and say, all right, have you thought of this? That trusted consultant can help you plan and to have some planning meetings with them of where you want to go. 
and that can come in independently and be that second or third eye on what's going right and what's going wrong, that is an important part of this process because I learned so much of having consultants early on in my business career of looking at things going, wow, hadn't thought of that. That's good. I, I, I ha- it happens to me in radio. We have consultants that will listen to the show from time to time and tell us what we should try differently. And these are things that are important. So having that consultant to help you see the forest of the trees is important because they're going to help you fix those little things. And I'm not saying spend a ton of money on, on a consultant, but having somebody in once or twice a year or some regular phone calls to, uh, to help you get through stuff and make sure that you are diversified enough, and that is the key to all this, is making sure that you are diversified. For more information on me, go to my website around the house online. If you do want me to talk to your firm or contact Cheryl Lewis and Associates, my friend Cheryl, she's the one over there at Cheryl Lewis and Associates. She's the one that helps me get on all of these things and all these speaking things out there that I do. Now I want to start taking questions out there because I saw some coming in and uh, we are now to that Q&A portion of this. And to be honest, I'd love to see if there's some people I can help out there. Okay, yeah, we did get some questions. Um, if anybody else has questions, um, you can just put them in the chat and I'll read them out to Eric. Um, so Karen was asking, in reference to what you were saying about reviews earlier, how do you deal with those few clients who lie many times in order to get something for free? Oh, great question. This is a killer one. You will have 1% or 2% of your clients out there that will try to hold you hostage on reviews. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it with wonderful builders and designers. They're going to say, well, if you give me $2,000 off, I'll give you a great review. I would let them leave that bad review. I would do all you can to keep them happy. There are always going to be those people that lie. And to be honest, bad reviews can actually do well. And if you want to see people that handle bad reviews great, go look at high-end hotels and see how those bad reviews are turned into positives because a potential client wants to see you react appropriately to a bad situation. And I am so sorry that you, that, that, that this happened this way or you feel this way. Uh, can we get on a phone call or can I have a meeting at your place? Let's get into a private message. Try to resolve it. Be kind. No matter how mad you are doing this, trust me, there are people that make my blood boil because they were the most difficult clients I'd ever seen in my entire career. But online, the way you handle that is going to be really important. So that's one of those things that uh, make sure you've got that dialed in. If you want to see some examples, go on any high-end hotel and look at their reviews. Maybe it's on, uh, you know, Yelp, Travelocity, Expedia, even on the hotel websites, whatever they see out there. And then making sure that you've got good reviews for your, the best way to handle bad reviews is to make sure that You've got a system where they're giving you, maybe it's on Google or your website, get those great reviews and have a system to follow up. The more great reviews, they'll flood out the, the, the 1% or 2% that want to take you hostage. Thank you. Um, Jackie was asking, can you name a few examples of text-based programs? You know, I don't because there are so many, there's a hundred of them out there. And to be honest, I haven't used every one of them. So there's not one that I endorse. But there are, there are tons of great firm, you know, some of them are actually based off of accounting software and things like that. But basically, there is a, a whole marketplace out there, and you just Google it up, text-based business software, 
and uh, you can get one that will fit uh, your, th- do your research because there's literally a hundred of them out there and they are great um, and they can be part of bigger systems. So what I would do is is take a look and, and figure out kind of what you need out of that system and then start looking out there online because uh, again, that's a big rabbit hole and I specifically didn't put brand names down there because it's it has to be so designed for your style of communication and what your business is doing. There is not one fix-all place that I'd say, go to these guys. Thank you. Um, Jackie was also asking, would it be worth it for a solopreneur design firm to look into VR? Absolutely. Absolutely. I w- a VR set of goggles is, what, three or 400 bucks if you get a good set. And uh, you've already got a design computer. If you're running 2020, you've already got a design computer that might just already be using that. So it's not much to do it. And uh, it is something that you can market to keep yourself ahead of the competition. VR is going to be around for a while. This is not just today's flash in a pan. I think we've got a number of years before augmented reality really comes into the kitchen and bath world. But what I would do is make sure that you've got that. And uh, you can go back and listen. I think it's on 2020's uh, design page when I did a whole thing on VR, you know, this last year. Take a look at that. But uh, VR for the single entrepreneur solo is brilliant, and I would be doing it right now. Thank you. Um, Brooke is, uh, has a question about language. Is it unprofessional to have a translator um, to give more context? She is the owner of a business uh, but lives in an Arabic country currently and cannot speak on a deep level about interior design with clients. Is it okay to have someone help translate, in your opinion? Absolutely. Anything you can do to make that communication process smoother, a translator is awesome. And again, uh, I would have, in that situation, I would have contracts in uh, multiple languages uh, to make sure that you've got that covered depending on uh, who you're marketing with. But uh, yes, translator is key and make sure that that translator is kind of on your team so you know that you can trust what's going on. I have, uh, I've seen a couple examples of translators um, not be as helpful. And so I'd make sure that you've got one on staff or on contract or something within your organization to make sure that, uh, that there's somebody trustworthy because they would be somebody else that would be on your team. Thank you. Um, Becky is asking, would promoting Facebook or Instagram ads be the best way to begin exposure as a brand new business? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think building that up and building that social media presence and spending time. And I mean, there's a lot of people that'll tell you this online out there, but the more time you can spend on social media and put up design tips or these kind of things and be the expert in your area, it's smart, you know, get that brand out there, do that. uh, Those ads are still fairly cheap. You can really dial them down to who you want to talk to. And then if you're using VR to circle back to VR, if you use those VR things, you know, for instance, if you've got a client in uh, your little showroom, if you're a single, uh, you know, single designer, that's many times what it is, or even in their house, get their camera, take some pictures or send them to the client of them looking at their own kitchen in the VR. That goes well up on social media if you have your client's permission or just give it to them so they can share that they're looking at their new project on on VR. That takes off because people love to see new technology and homeowners generally love to uh, share that new project they're working on because uh, that is easy social media stuff and it gives you some good branding as well. 
You can also do some little things like uh, put your brand on the outside of the VR goggles, things like that to uh, help promote yourself. So when uh, consumers see those pictures of that homeowner that, uh, well, they know where they're at. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Um, I don't see any more questions in the chat. So um, thank you, Eric. Thank you everyone for attending. And if you have any other questions, you can um, reach out to Eric or come chat with us in the virtual booth. We'll be there to answer any more of your questions. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful day and enjoy the rest of the presentations. There's still some great ones out there. Thanks so much, Eric. It was a pleasure having you. Thanks, guys. And that's it. A special thanks to 2020 Design for the opportunity to uh, share some education to the design and construction community. Thanks again. Well, that's all we got. I'm Eric G, and you've been listening to Around the House, Around the Toolbox special. Have a great rest of the week. Around the House with Eric G is produced by, designed by Eric G, in association with Salem Media and distributed nationally by the Sun Broadcast Group. All rights reserved. Copyright 2020, designed by Eric G. We will be back next week. If you missed part of the show, check out the podcast of all of our shows at aroundthehouseonline.com. Remember, measure with a micrometer, mark with caulk, and cut with an axe. Thanks for listening to Around the House.